You're listening to The Philip Jordan Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Philip Jordan Show. It's been a little bit since I've done a video form of the podcast. I am your host, Philip Jordan, in studio host and producer of the Wolves Football on 96.9 The Legend. And I'm the Auburn writer for Last Word on College Football. Got another special edition, uh, evergreen content edition of the show on this edition, kind of like we did last week with David Schultz. Talk about his path. Uh, to sports media. I am going to be joined by Chris Gordy, uh, the host of Locked On SEC. You can listen to him over on Houston Radio as well. Uh, So with Chris, we went longer. So this was another school interview I did. Uh, We had in this assignment was a little bit different than the one with Barry McKnight and David Schultz. 15 minutes, just a few questions. We had to go 10 questions on this assignment. So Chris Gordy, uh, really appreciate he him doing this when he did this was back on December 7th of 2023. But anyways, he, uh, we went 50 minutes. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff I uh, talked about with Chris on there. We'll talk about just his beginning, what made him want to get into sports media. Uh, some interesting uh, things he did along the way, the podcast world, the radio world, and just advice for anybody out there that wants to do this. So it was a really fun conversation. You'll see a little bit of a difference in the background and also a little bit different look from yours truly. I'm just going to leave it at that. You'll also notice uh, it was from the old location. Obviously, this is the new uh, spot I'm in, but you'll notice uh, some some familiar things uh, there too as well. It's a lot of fun. Now, I will tell you guys next week on Monday. Now, I do have one more of these interviews that will be on Monday's podcast, but we'll be kind of back to the show proper next week starting on Monday lining up some guests, have a couple episodes planned for you guys uh, next week. So we'll kind of get back into the routine of things. Just took a few weeks here, scale back, and uh, knock out some of these cool uh, interviews on uh, the path to sports media. That's pretty much uh, what these interviews are. So uh, that is what uh, we have on tap uh, here on this edition of the Phil Jordan Show. You can check out the Phil Jordan Show podcast over at wiregrassdailynews.com or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review, and I will read it on a future edition of this show. And if you leave just four stars, you are just a straight-up hater. You can email me at sports.philipjordan at gmail.com. Everybody joining me on the show today, a little something different than uh, what we normally do. I'm joined by Chris Gordy. You listen to him every day on Locked On SEC and Sports Talk 790 there in Houston, where he's assistant program director and co-host of Next Up. We're going to be talking path, uh, the career in uh, in sports radio, sports journalism, sports media. And uh, Chris, I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, sure. And uh, a little breaking news. They added, uh, they took off assistant on my title uh, just a couple days ago. So it's now just PD. But I've been, I've been serving the role as program director. They just, they, they now updated my business card. So now it's just straight up program director. So, you know, it, it, it's not a ton more money. It's just a cooler title. 
There you go. There you go. So whenever everybody's hearing a pod, uh, that that will be uh, that'll be some good news for them. Oh, uh, and you know, I want to start. And normally, in these conversations, I, I've done these before. I will lead up. I'll say, when did you get started, or what was your your when your passion first came up? I actually was going to start with this. Kind of currently now, how would you best describe the landscape of sports radio? Um. Well, the whole world of sports media is is kind of skewed now. When I was when I was coming up, um, you know, just just a little background on me. I was actually I started um, uh, college as a as a theater major, and because uh, I'd done some some stuff in school, and you know, everybody wants to be an actor and that sort of thing. And uh, I was doing stand up comedy in high school, so I had like a comedy and acting background. That's where I wanted to go. And then when I got to school, uh, just was like, yeah, you know, theater's not like can't be a real career unless you're like, you know, really, really good. So, um, you know, was kind of looking at, at making an adjustment and, and I went to school to LSU and it was a big, um, you know, sports school. And so everything kind of circular circulated around sports from football, basketball, baseball, everything. And, um, yeah, I was a big sports fan already. And so kind of, you know, got the idea of, I wanted to do TV and, and so switched to mass com, um, you know, LSU's got a really good school, school of mass communication switched into that. And, uh, you know, it, it actually helped me because the first day they put me on TV uh, at the campus TV station and campus radio station, when I started doing that stuff, you know, being in front of a crowd in theater and stand up comedy, it was no problem for me. Um, you know, it was actually more fun doing radio because it's just you and a microphone. You know, you're talking to people, but, you know, it's just it takes a little of the pressure off. So, yeah, it was a little bit more natural in front of in front of doing that. And so um, as school went along, I, I loved, I loved writing. I loved, uh, doing radio. I loved doing uh, TV and I was doing all three throughout my years at LSU. And when I got to my senior year, you know, I was really trying to, I was like, you know, I'm going to go do TV. Like I talked with, I was friends with multiple people who are in the industry and a guy by the name of Cole Wright, um, you know, who ended up working with, uh, Nesson and, uh, sports center. And, uh, you know, we ended up being on, on ESPN, ESPN two, and, uh, I think even NFL network for a while, Cole's done it all since then, but he was a local um, TV reporter in in uh, Baton Rouge at the time. And he looked at my resume tape and he's like, dude, you're good. You got it, all this. And he said, you know what? He said, don't get into this unless you really, really like understand what, what TV is. He goes, dude, you're going to start in a small market. He goes, you like go- going to LSU games? You know, LSU Auburn, it just happened that week. He's like, did you like going to that game? I said, oh yeah. He goes, well, I had to leave it thir- in the third quarter to go cut up my story to do my live shot at 10. He goes, you know, my, our, our number two guy, he was over at the Southern Jaguars game. He's not even at the LSU games. And he goes, and by the way, you're going to start in a small market and you're going to make like 22,000 a year to start. He goes, you know, think long and hard if TV is what you want to do. And so I was at a football game, uh, you know, it was like an LSU Arkansas game or something. I was sitting in the press box and I was still in student media. And I remember watching as the game was was kind of near in the end, like the TV guy had to run because he had to go do his 10 o'clock live shot from outside the stadium. Why in the world do you want to do a live shot in the middle of a football game when you're not carrying the football game and doing a newscast is beyond me. Like anybody interested in the football game is watching the game. They're not watching the local news to see the guy outside the stadium. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he had to leave the game before it even ended. The, the reporters, they had to run down, you know, late in the fourth quarter. They go down to the field. Uh, they watch the final plays there and then they go into the, you know, the locker room or the press conference room and they get quotes from the players and all that. Then they go back up to the press box and write their stories and all this. Well, the radio guys, I noticed they sat in the press box, enjoyed a bunch of food, ate some, you know, drank some drinks, socialized with people, took some notes. 
And when the game ended, they kind of packed up and went, all right, guys, well, see you later. And that guy didn't work again until Monday morning. And I went, that's the job. Like radio is like, if you can make it work, like sports radio, that, that guy's like, he got to just watch the games, enjoy it, take some notes. And then I'll talk about it on Monday. Whereas like the TV guys and the, and the, the, the you know, the writers, they're all staying there till 2 AM, you know, trying to write a story or trying to finish uh, filming a story. So, um, that was kind of where I was like, all right, maybe, maybe radio is the, the right way to go. And I was, I was interning with, um, it was clear channel at the time, but, uh, radio station in, in, in Baton Rouge and got, getting to work on the sports station there. And, um, you know, a couple times I was, I was an unpaid intern. Then I was a paid intern. And then one of the girls, the part-timers they had producing the morning show, she just stopped showing up and they were like, Hey, can you just keep doing this? So I was like, all right, sure. So kind of parlayed that into my foot in the door with, with clear channel, which later became iHeart. But um, that was kind of the, the the origin of it. But I say all that to say, when we were in school, we were starting to do. You know, I was I had my hand in all the different cookie baskets. While the the Daily Reveille, which is the student newspaper at LSU, a lot of their writers were starting to do a podcast. Like podcast was just becoming like a thing, and they're like, yeah, we're gonna all sit in a room and record this, and this is gonna go up on our website. And then they even started filming some videos for the Daily Reveille's website. So it was like they were doing like a stand-up outside the stadium recapping the game. And I'm like, well, that's kind of what TV does. Um, you know, and then like for radio, we were having to write like web stories for the website. I'm like, well, this is kind of writing, but I'm in radio. So you just started to see this cross-pollinization of like all three. You really like you, you need to be good at all three if you want to work in, in sports media because they all do it. You know, um, Ryan uh, Ryan McGee, you know, is a tremendous writer at ESPN. He's He's been doing it a long time. Ryan McGee also does a weekly show with Marty Smith called Marty and McGee. Ryan McGee is also sent on stories to go film packages and do stand-ups and stories for ESPN. Right. So Ryan McGee is a writer, but he does TV. He does radio slash podcasting and he does, you know, writing. So you got to do, you know, in, in this day and age of, of sports, you got to be able and, and be willing to do all three because to your point, it, it's all, it all crosses over now. There's no, you know, the, there's a few people that, that I know that are just writers but even those people do, you know, occasional uh, radio hits or podcast hits. So, you know, it really it really does all cross over now. You know, you talk about the uh, TV and radio or podcasting, too, on that. How much of it is it to, you know, with TV, this is not an insult on my part. But, I mean, you probably got three to five minutes on a on a newscast. And then yep. you do radio, like, say, three, four hours or podcast, you go as long as you want. Yeah, and that's what's funny is a lot of the TV guys I see in, in markets across the South, you know, they may be asked by a, a local radio host, hey, man, I'm taking a vacation. Could you come, you know, do you want a guest host? And they'll jump in that seat and go, oh, my God, to talk for three, four hours, like you, you've you got to do your prep. And, and that's like my message to, to young people all the time is, um, you know, any, any industry you want to get in, but particularly this one is do your preparation. Like, you know, uh, it, it appears they're, they're the, the talking head shows on ESPN, you know, the um, get up and I, I don't know, all the, the first take and the whatever the Skip Bayless show is called now, uh, FS1. Like it looks like they're all just yelling to yell sometimes. Um, the one guy I, I give a lot of credit to, Nick Wright, you know, I saw him come up through the Houston market and came from Kansas City. Nick, what Nick always had, Nick always had his stats. Nick always had stuff to back up his arguments and and that takes time that takes you know research to to spend the time prepping on that i do it on my sh when i'm doing my radio show and i'm doing my podcast 
you got to put in the work. And uh, I, I think that's where a lot of people really, you know, they think you can just, you know, jump into something. And, oh, I, I want to do a podcast. Well, spend the time in the work pre- preparing for it. Uh, I think the old mantra used to be, you know, particularly in radio, if you're doing an hour of radio, you should spend an hour show prepping. If you're doing three hours of radio, you should be doing three hours of prepping for those three hours. So, um, you know, again, that's just kind of funny seeing those TV guys when they when they try to do radio or podcast. Oh, it's not as easy as, as you thought. Um, but you're right. Yeah, that, w- that was one of the big things with with TV as well. I got to right out of college. I got to produce uh, for a local news station for a little bit. And uh, it wasn't my forte at all. It wasn't what I, what I liked to wanted to do. But I, at least the experience I got seeing a live newscast, how weather takes precedent over everything. They go, oh, my God, it rained and it flooded. Oh, top of the newscast. Like, they have meetings in the morning to discuss, like, what's going to be the top story. And they're like, well, Luke's got this great investigative piece on the mayor and maybe a bribe scandal. And you're like, holy crap, like, that's going to be an awesome story. And oh, no, nope, it's scrap. It's scrap. Luke, we're kicking your story out because it rained this afternoon. We're leading with weather. Like, it's just really funny, like, local TV, how they, how they dictate. But uh, if weather went over, like, they'd be like, all right, well, weather gets four minutes. They'd be like, well, weather actually went to five minutes. So, look, we got it. Sports, you had two and a half minutes. Now you got one and a half minutes. Like, it's just so funny. They Sports is always the first thing to lose time. And, yeah, to your point, like, most TV sports casts are just a couple minutes anyway, but they're always the one that, that gets kicked in the groin when that when they got to start cutting stuff. So, yeah, it's I, I admire those people who do the packages and, like, really tell good stories like, you know, on ESPN on college game day that, you know, they call it a package, you know, putting together stories and all that. And there are a lot of people put a lot of hard work into those and, and spend a lot of time on them. But um, again, I think everybody sees how, how difficult each medium is. And even for writing, like I know some people have written some really good feature pieces for the athletic that spent six months working on it, getting quotes, traveling different towns and all that kind of stuff. So there, there is a lot of hard work behind the scenes in, in all the different sports realms. You know, you talked about you always were a sports fan. You talk about when you went to LSU, you know, when you're doing theater. But like I said, you're always a big sports fan. Where did that originate from? Just your your love of sports. I mean, you grew up in the South. You kind of can't avoid it. Like when I was younger, I mean, the Saints, the Saints were terrible in New Orleans. That's where I grew up and, um, you know, had family who had season tickets. So we'd go to games. LSU was really uh, when I was younger, was 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 not popular. I mean, they were losing, you know, a ton of games, and then Donardo came in, and they kind of started to turn the tide, got a little bit more attention. But it wasn't until, you know, what was it, two thousand, when a, a little short, short, short guy from, um, you know, Michigan State comes to town and uh, Nick Saban, and suddenly, you know, everybody went, wait, the football team can actually like we can build a program here, we can actually win games and have national relevance, and. Um, and so it kind of coincided with that, where LSU started started to turn things around. Uh, wasn't too long after that, the the Charlotte Hornets relocated to New Orleans. You know, became the New Orleans Hornets, and so New Orleans had an NBA team again for the first time in, in forever. So it was kind of a coinciding of that. It went minor league baseball, the New New Orleans Zephyrs in New Orleans, but um, you know, you were kind of always around sports. And uh, you know, Louisiana, the culture is drinking a lot there's a lot of alcohol all the time and people want to tailgate so where you tailgate you tailgate at lsu games you tailgate at saints games and uh so it was just kind of you know a lot of camaraderie around around sports but new orleans isn't unique to that i mean it's it's all across the south and that's what makes you know my what i've always loved sec football um because you talk to people 
you know, from, from Auburn, Alabama, Tuscaloosa, uh, Gainesville, Florida, you know, all across the South, they all have similar experiences of they grow up because their dad was a sport, you know, or their grandpa took them to games or their uncle or whatever. And, um, you know, we grew up around sports and we grew up being passionate about it. So, you know, that's kind of, kind of what it was, but yeah, look, if Saban doesn't get to LSU, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, if Drew Brees and Sean Payton never come to New Orleans, and we could be talking about Louisiana just being, you know, a desolate uh, uh, sports area, you know, in, across the South because they just did, you know, prior to those guys, they just, there hadn't been a whole heck of a lot of success there. You know, when you were getting into sports radio, you know, sports broadcast and all that stuff, did you have some uh, major influences on some people? You know, maybe some people you looked up to, like, okay, I like what this guy does. I want to do what he does, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it's funny when I was in school, you know, smart smartphones were kind of, um, you know, become popular. Well, I'll rewind first. There was a there was a local guy in Baton Rouge um, who did a local call in talk show. And, uh, you know, I, I started listening to him every day. And then I think after him was Jim Rome. So I kind of got a little flavor. Oh, this is what a local show sounds like. This is what a national show sounds like. And the shtick that Jim Rome would do and all that. But it was really, um, I guess, like my freshman or sophomore year of college when there was like this app, I forget what it was called, but it was on my, I had an Android, didn't even have an iPhone yet. It was an Android app and it was like called radio player or something. And it was supposedly you could get radio streams of different radio stations around the country, but there were only like a few on there. Like a lot of them was like Tejano music and you're like, you couldn't really find anything. Well, I found a station in, um, in Alabama and it was, um, uh, it, it was a ESPN affiliate, I guess, or whatever but they carried the Paul Feinbaum show. And so I, that's when I started listening to Paul Feinbaum. And that's when Feinbaum was just, he was just in Alabama, right? It wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't like huge regionally syndicated. And then obviously way before he ever signed with ESPN and took over SEC network and had the TV version of the show. But I started listening to that and I was like, wow, this is a show that talks like SEC football, particularly not, I mean, not just SEC, but it was mostly just Alabama and Auburn. And it was Alabama and Auburn fans calling and arguing with each other. And so that was kind of like my, my early taste of really what, uh, you know, of, of what sports radio was. And, and, and sports radio has evolved a lot. I mean, it was very, in the early 2000s, very caller-driven. Um, you know, if you listen to any stations across the South, I mean, I remember WWL in New Orleans. They were very caller-driven. Uh, a lot of stations now, you can listen to stations and not hear them take one call. You know, because it's all content driven. Uh, my buddy Matt Pascona in Baton Rouge, his show, he doesn't really believe in calls. He believes in taking, having guests and just putting a, a full show of content together. Um, you know, those other guys I came across too, Chris Vernon in Memphis, I think is is a guy who does a really entertaining brand of uh, of sports of sports radio, just you know, with bits and um, you know parody songs and all kinds of stuff uh, like that, and ma making it more fun. Um, but really, I think like the early days, like growing, going to Saints games with my uncle and listening to post game, um, the post game call in show that it was a guy named Buddy D, Buddy Deliberto in New Orleans. And he was like this legendary broadcaster. And it was again, it was a post game show caller driven, but he would call out the idiots that would call in. And, you know, it was kind of funny. And, and again, made for entertaining radio. So those was those are all kind of like the early uh, pieces of, of people that, I you know, were kind of kind of influenced. And then uh there was a guy in uh, in Knoxville, Tony, I uh, forget his last name, but anyway, he he was really good, and I, and I found his show on the streaming app, and so kind of got a flavor for for what all they were doing. But yeah, to to answer your question, it's funny. Like when I first started doing a show, 
um, in, in Baton Rouge. They gave me a, a Sunday morning uh, sl- time slot. I was I, I was working the early Sunday morning shift, like making sure all the stations were on the air, like somebody had to be there in the building at all times. And I remember asking my program director at the time, like, hey, the LSU game was the night before. What if I, you know, could I do a Sunday morning show called the morning after reacting to the game the night before? And so I had a connection also with Marcus Randall, the former LSU quarterback, and uh, I reached out to him and said, hey, would you be interested in the show with me? And so he came in and he and I for an hour or whatever every Sunday morning would take calls reacting to the LSU game from the night before. So that was kind of like my first big thing. I, of course, I did college radio when I was at LSU and we did, um, you know, it started off, I was just a reporter. Like I would do a couple days a week. I would do, you know, 3.30, 4.30, 5.30. You have to do your little five-minute sports update. I go back and listen to those now and I cringe. I'm like, what in the hell were you thinking? Like, and here's the funny thing. Like in sports radio, you learn over the years, play the hits. Like football is king. Um, you know, there's some towns, you know, in Houston, when the Houston Astros are going, yeah, you can t- you can lead with Astros. But if you're in any college town, it's football. That's all anybody really cares about. I mean, look, occasionally your baseball team will go to Omaha, and that's exciting. Your, you know, basketball, men's basketball team will make the tournament. Obviously, yeah, talk about them. Uh, LSU women's basketball, they win the whole thing. You know, I think they're they're somewhat relevant. But it's funny, I go back and listen to sports reports now, and it's like, you know, I didn't even lead with LSU football some days. It was like, the LSU gymnastics team is in action tonight. I'm like, who cares? Like, I, I, and I get it. it was campus radio, but like going back and listening to it, man, like play the hits, know what people care about. That's what you should be doing. But uh, that was kind of how it started. And then every Sunday night we did a, a one hour show on a LSU campus radio called uh, out of bounds. And it was my buddy, Randy Boudreaux hosted. And so, so I kind of was a co-host with him. And then over time when Randy graduated, I took over the show and that was kind of a cool, it was one hour a week, but it was prepping and, and putting all the work into it. And then that kind of led to down the road, like I said, with the, the Sunday morning show, kind of reacting to LSU football. So, yeah, it, um, it kind of took the influences of everybody. But you go with what you know, right? I mean, you go with what, you, what you've learned and, and you try to, you know, I, I hear a lot of, it's funny, I'll, I'll drive around the country and I'll hear different markets and different radio stations. And I can't tell you how many people I hear trying to replicate either Jim Rome or Colin Cowherd. I mean, those are the two biggest national guys. You know, I, I don't know if there's much like Mike and Mike influence. I know they were huge for the longest and, you know, one of the most successful sports talk show, radio shows. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of people who do the, the Jim Rome and Colin Cowherd, especially when you're solo. You have pregnant pauses like that, you know, so you, you, you can hear people do that and utilize that for emphasis. You ju- I just made a damn good point. And now I'm going to pause for emphasis. It's just funny. It's like, and just, just talk how you normally talk. Yeah. It's uh, it, yeah, it's a little bit different than, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Dan Patrick. So, but you know, he yeah. has to, but he has the Danettes. So yeah. it's a little bit of a different uh, thing. To want those and that's, to. A, that's a great model. Cause it's a great, it's a great, I don't know if I call it a crutch, but it's a great something to fall back on. If Dan's ever at a loss of words or if he's just completely out of bounds with something, he can have one of the guys correct him or if he gets something wrong they can correct i mean it, the, the model of that is awesome and you've seen like dan levitard's kind of built that now um you know pat mcafee has it he's got his whole team of, of guys around him and it, and a lot of them it's like don't speak unless spoken to you know that's like dan patrick he literally would call on them yeah mclovin what you got you know it's like they'd almost have to like raise their hand to, mm-hmm. to be called on uh, it's just a different different dynamic there but um 
again, the, the one dynamic that all those shows have is they've all done their show preparation. They're not having guests on just to have guests. That's another thing that kills me with, with sports radio is, you know, I always go back to the questions always, why are you having this person on? Can they add something to the conversation? Because if not, like, why are you having them on? And there are some people who just need filler. And, um, you know, there, there, there are shows across, across the South, across the country I hear. And it's like, you're having guests and having people on because you need to fill time. And it's like, man, you really need to take a step back and question why are you doing this? You know, is it just because you have sponsors and, hey, I just got to fill time and the check's good, whatever. But, like, how do you not, if you, especially if you have an audience, if you've built up an audience, your audience has expectations of you that you're going to bring it every day. And uh, you talked about, obviously, you know, at LSU, doing TV, doing radio, doing that. Was there ever any urge of, to get into play-by-play, uh, doing uh, broadcasting games, or was it always just for you just sports talk radio or and on TV? Yeah, I did. Um, I actually did do that, uh, I think, right after college. I started doing um, – there was a guy who, who was offering. They were looking for some local high school football play-by-play people, and so – I got into it. Uh, I, I'd filled in for somebody once or twice and did a game or two, and then, uh, and then took over the denim. Well, I think it was it was Live Oak, Live Oak High School outside Baton Rouge. I became their play-by-play guy for a year and uh, was paired up with this other guy, Carl, I believe was his name, and he did the color. And you know, it, it was uh, I'm sure nobody listened, but it you know we had sponsors and all this, but that was that's that's very like I grew up. You know, you, you hear play-by-play on the radio and you watch play-by-play on TV and they're both very different because in radio, your voice is the eyes and ears. Like, you, you're you describing the play. So you have to be way more descriptive. At, you have to you have to be on, on top of your game. Um, you know, you got to come with, with it quick. Hey, you know, it's a four, it's about a four-yard game. It's going to be sec- second and six. You know, you got to know, know the down-distance measurement and the score. Always say the score. Again, I still keep I, – I can't believe I'll, – I'll be listening to Sirius XM and listening to an NBA game or whatever or an NFL game. I'm going, guys, give me the damn score. How do you not – like, if it's radio, if it was TV, I can see, yes, the the crawl or whatever, the, the, the bug on the screen is showing me what the score is. But um, I can't believe these days how many professional broadcasters do not give you the score constantly. It's 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 so mind-boggling. But, uh, yeah, did, did that for a year, and then – uh, the next two or three years, the guy who had originally set me up with it, um, John Fine was his name. He was doing uh, play-by-play for Denham Springs football outside Baton Rouge for years. They needed a sideline reporter, and that was that was a little bit more fun for me because I was you know working a, a day job and all that, and it was hard. It was so hard to pre- and again like I I'm a I don't know if I'm a perfectionist, but like I want to be prepared. And doing high school games was brutal especially like doing the play-by-play because I had to reach out to the opposing coach. I had to get his depth chart. Half the time, some of these schools, you know, they're like, they have a roster of 40 and the guys play both ways. It's like, God, like, you know, and then you get to the game. You're like, I don't have number 15. There was no number 15 on this roster. Like you're asking people in the press box, does anyone know who this kid is? And so, yeah, that though, there are so many challenges with high school football because you don't have resources. It's not like, you know, I'm calling Alabama Auburn tonight. Yeah, I can go to Google and find their rosters and their depth charts and their formations and all that. Like, um, it's not that easy. So I liked I liked doing more of the sideline reporting. You know, I'd, I'd interview the coach going in the locker room at halftime and post game, uh, and then I'd also come to the booth do halftime. You know, I would keep stats on the sideline. I would you know read the stats at halftime and post game and all that. So 
that was a little bit more rewarding and fun, but, and I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed doing the, the play-by-play stuff, but I just, I started to realize this isn't, uh, it, there's so much work and hassle to go into that. And and again, nobody's going to just hand you, Hey, here's your, here's your prep for the game. Like no one's going to do that for you. And so that's where I was kind of like, yeah, I'm probably, probably not going to do this there. There was a time though, uh, during COVID where it was a funny thing I wanted to do. We have Sean Salisbury is, is one of our hosts on our station in Houston. And, uh, uh, Sean, of course, did did g- games for years on ESPN and was a, an ESPN broadcaster, former quarterback. And uh, I proposed to Sean, we were this close to, during COVID, we were going to hook up the NCAA video game and simu- do the game simulation. And he and I were going to call the games together. We never did do that, but I, I always kind of wanted to do that because I thought it'd be really funny. And do it completely serious, like just call a, a fake college game on a video game, trying to do real analysis. I thought would have been funny. 96.9 The Legend is your connection to classic country legend. But Digio Strategies has other options too. News Talk 103.9 is your source for America's top news and entertainment shows like Rick and Bubba in the morning, Glenn Beck from 9 till 11 a.m., and Clay Travis and Buck Sexton middays from 11 a.m. till 2 p.m. Sean Hannity, Lars Larson, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, and others fill your day with the latest news and views from America's top conservative voices. America at night and coast to coast am keep you company and connected throughout the night plus fox news the alabama radio network and wiregrass daily news keep you informed with national international state and local news and with more musical choices like all the hits 1067 kmx today's country 95.5 wtvy and music 1077 digio strategies gives you more choices and more variety listen on air online and on our apps 96.9 the legend is just the beginning yeah, yeah, I need to do that now. I need to now, now that now that it's going to be out there in the public, you know, the main whenever anybody listens to this, that'd be something kind of cool to hear. Um, well, you, you know, you talk about LSU, so just like you know, after LSU, what was what was that like? Okay, you you went through that. Now you're you know out of college. What was that path like after that? Yeah, so I was working. I was still working part time with, uh, like I said, it was Clear Channel at the time. They had a sports station and was. Um, you know, getting tons of experience. And then eventually a full-time gig opened up and, uh, and it was like working evenings, uh, producing like the evening drive show for the sports station and then doing some evening work and then recording a sports update for the next morning and stuff and did that for a little while. And then they, they were starting to make some cuts and things were starting to change and there were rumors of buzz and all this. So shifted out of it. That's when I went and did the news TV thing for a bit. And, um, and then I wanted to get back. I, I was like, I got to get back into doing something with radio. Well, not too long after that, you know, the rumblings that that station was going to flip formats. I don't know. There was all kinds of stuff. So I ended up moving back to New Orleans. I was like, I, there's nothing here in Baton Rouge. So let me go back to New Orleans. And, and I was able to transfer with Clear Channel slash iHeart and, and went back to New Orleans and got a. Then the, the thing was, they didn't have a sports station there. The big sports station was on the competitor, Entercom at the time, WWL. But got experience working with their bevy of stations where every day I was doing something different in the morning. I would be doing your traffic updates. Hey, if you're coming in from the West, uh, the you know, slow down, start around the high rise, whatever I'd, I'd be, be doing that on like the hip hop station, all this. Then they go, Hey, the country station needs, they have a promo event. They need somebody to take the, the table and the van out and give out concert tickets and all this. So I'd go do that. Then they would be like, Hey, this show needs help with, uh, you know, the engineer, 
uh, is sick. They need somebody to help engineer this broadcast. So I learned literally everything behind the scenes with radio, from the promotions department to engineering to traffic to and, and radio is two different traffics. There's traffic meaning like driving traffic, and then there's traffic meaning the people who load your logs and things like that, load load commercial spots, all that. So I literally got experience on everything behind the scenes. And my uh, PD at the time, this guy Jim Fisher, was like, "Dude, do you want to be a PD?" And he's like, "You're you're really good at you know like the programming stuff behind the scenes." And I was like, "No, I'm a host. I'm a host. That's what I'm gonna, I want to do." And um, over time, I started seeing, you know, around the country, you know, different radio companies making cuts and all this. And it was funny. The one person that was always left standing was the program director, right? Like, even if a station decided, you know what, we're going to go full national, we're going to fire all our local hosts, oh, but you're still the PD. You're still running the station. And so that started to resonate with me. I was like, maybe program director is where I want to go. And I also had an affinity for liking to tell people what to do and kind of being a director and keeping everything, you know, okay, you do this, you do that, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So, so that's where I started kind of delving into that. And then uh, there was a, there was, a, like I said, we didn't have a sports station at, at, uh, at iHeart, but there was a, like an independent radio station down the road. And uh, they were, they had a thing where they were like, you know, we'll give you a weekly show. You just, pay, you know, you pay for the airtime, whatever it was. I was like, well, if I get a sponsor or two on it, I can, that'll offset the cost of paying for the airtime. And then I can make a little money on top of that. So I started doing that. And that was where I started, you know, back into the daily grind of doing daily radio or, uh, you know, at least weekly radio and uh, doing my own show while still working for, uh, you know, Clear Channel at the time. And so did that for a couple of years and then was like, all right, I really need to get back into, you know, doing, doing sports and being paid for, you know, being paid for sports. Whereas I'm, being paid to do all the behind the scenes stuff here. And I'm paying for my airtime for the sports show over here. Uh, and then the, the opening in Houston came and, uh, you know, came out here and just uh, absolutely loved it. And the, uh, a lot of the people that, that was working for still my big boss to this day was a guy that not only was an LSU guy, but went to the same high school as me. And uh, I was like, well, you know, if this isn't meant to be, then I don't know what is. And again, I, I came out here thinking I was going to be out here for like, I was like, maybe I'll do two years out there and then move back to new Orleans and, whatever and it's like you know 11 years later here i am still still doing this because it's just it's it's a lot of fun i, I have a lot of freedom with what i can do and uh work with some great people and work for some great people so um you know and we've been and and the big thing is you know throughout the years we've been able to sustain such great success that we've avoided big time riffs and and things like that um you know the ironic part is the station i started at in baton rouge 12 10 the score not even a year after i left there they folded up, they flipped formats. They, they, they became like a comedy station. And I want to say it was like, it was the week of LSU Alabama in the national championship in 20, 2011, January, 2012. Uh, that was when they, they flipped. And it was like, all those guys had like shows planned that week from new Orleans oh. and, and they were just, they pulled the plug. And so it was uh, unfortunate, but it just shows the, 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 the sports radio industry can be very volatile. I mean, you know, you can get, you can get cut at any time. Um, but to the credit of a lot of guys I know in this industry, they, they're able to bounce back and, and, uh, you know, reappear somewhere else. And, uh, you know, if you're good at what you do, you'll, you'll keep getting hired. You know, you know, just a couple more questions for you. The, uh, the day to day there at sports talk 790, where you are the program director, uh, what is like an average day for a program director? So it's, it's a little bit different for me because for years I was, uh, when I first 
took the job. I was, I was just straight doing assistant program director duties and stuff like that. And, and I would be a fill in host from time to time. Like if we had a host out, I would fill in for them or, or whatever. And about gosh, I guess five, no, probably six years ago. Now it got the opportunity to get back on, on the air daily. And so I've been doing that for, you know, whatever, six years now, uh, a normal day as I go in, I do respond to emails, do all my PD stuff that I need to do. And then from 10 to noon, I'm on the air, uh, doing a show. And then at noon, you're going back to PD stuff, catching up on, on emails, uh, you know, setting up broadcasts, uh, you know, spots need to be loaded, whatever, uh, doing ratings data, you know, check, you know, um, for years it was Arbitron and now, now it's Neil Nielsen. Um, but you know, going, assessing radio data, doing uh, takeaways on, you know, what, what happened here, what happened there. So all the kind of normal, you know, radio PD stuff that's very boring to some people, but I enjoy it. And it's a great challenge in doing both and being on air and being behind the scenes because you, you know, you could sympathize with the host with a lot of stuff with, with the talent because you know where they're coming from on stuff. And then, you know, it's a fine balance between uh, the hosts who all have egos and all, you know, think very highly of themselves. You have to manage those egos all very differently. It's very much like coaching a football team. I mean, you know, Nick Saban talks about it all the time. When you, you know, when you motivate somebody, there's, there's different tactics. Some people need tough love. Some people need that arm around them. Hey, it's going to be all right. Get in the next play. And then some people need a kick in the butt and need to be aggressive and yell at them. And Hey, the, you, you wake the hell up, Co do what you're supposed to be doing. So it's, um, it is fascinating that it's, it's very much like, like coaching from that aspect. And then, you know, in radio, there's a lot of, you know, we're not on the air without, uh, the financial backing. I mean, you got to, you know, to make the money. So you got to take care of the sponsors, make sure that they're happy. And, uh, you know, in our industry, it's a big time balance between dealing with the host and dealing with, uh, the account executives who are bringing on the, the sponsors and being able to you know, manage the fine line between them. Because what you also want to do is, as a, as a PD, is protect the content. Like, content should be first and foremost. So, you know, it's funny. We, we, we always try to steer clear of bringing, like, if you're a sponsor, you're sponsoring because you enjoy our content and you want your name attached to that. Some companies want to be a part of that. And, you know, some, sometimes the company says, oh, well, we'd love to have our, you know, we'll have our owner on for 10 minutes to talk about what's going on. It's like, well, that hurts the content. So it's just, it's, you know, and look, some smaller markets, they need to do that. You know, if, if Tom of Tom's sporting goods wants to come on and talk about it and Tom's cutting a check for half a million a year, Tom's got to come on the show. You got to, you got to sacrifice it to, to make it happen. But, uh, you know, to me, I, I always come from the mindset of, look, if you're paying to be a part of the show, then keep the show what it is. We'll help deliver your messaging, whatever that is. But, um, you know, it's you see that a lot in the smaller markets, whereas the bigger markets tend to kind of stay away from that kind of thing. You know, you talked earlier about uh, show prep, how how that's important. You know, if you're going to be on there for an hour, prep for an hour. Mm -hmm. if you're going to be on for three hours, prep for three hours. Uh, for you, how, how does that uh, prep look for you when you, you're getting ready for either a podcast or uh, your radio show? Yeah, so I'm twofold. So I'm I'm doing double prep every day. I'm I'm keeping up with everything going on in the in the SEC and the transfer portals made that even even more busy, even even more hard. Uh, and then everything with Houston sports. I do a lot of stuff with the Houston Astros. I host a lot of their pre and post game shows. Houston Rockets as well. And then you know, this time of year, we're talking a lot about the Houston Texans. And so keeping up 
you know, daily with their practice reports, who was injured, who was, who was out on the field, you know, uh, scouting the next opponent, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of stuff that, that goes into it, but I, but I love doing it. So it's, it's worth the, it's worth the, the, the juice is worth the squeeze. But uh, to answer your question, I mean, you have a couple of go-to websites you want to check every day and everybody's different. I mean, you know, it, but, but the main thing is if you're doing a sports show, uh, it, let's just say college football. You want to be checking ESPN's website, their college channel for any of the big news there. Twitter's been a big part of it. I mean, you get breaking news now quicker than than anywhere there. Um, you know, transfer portal. Uh, guys are entering the transfer portal all the time. But but my, I have a very easy hack. What I do is I, if I'm throughout the day, I'm on Twitter. I see something, I screenshot it. Anytime I see something throughout the, the day, I screenshot it, and then. What I do is at the end of the day or the next morning, if I'm doing show prep, I go back to my screenshots and I write, and then I, in a word document, kind of put together all the notes that I had, you know, and, and that sort of thing. Everybody works differently. I mean, some people may just go to, you know, they may go to a couple websites and just print the pages. Me, I need it all in the word document. I need a, a format, a, you know, a, uh, what do you call it? You know, just a format of, of where I'm going, of what the notes are, what's most, most important here at the top, you know, maybe lesser stories down at the bottom and uh kind of go from there there's even a few there's a few places i'll check you know even just like message boards and see what what people are talking about and that's kind of what i always tell our guys too you know if fish where the fish are right like if it's what everybody is talking about you should be talking about it too don't be negligent like uh you know it's funny we, we used to always say like obviously the super bowl like the morning after the super bowl every sports station in the country is talking about the super bowl so if you're not, then you're doing something wrong. Like that's, it's the biggest event in the sports world. But I even said like, you know, if the, the Academy Awards, you know, happened last night, some of the big happened there, probably worth referencing it on your show, right? If it's, if it's the number one thing trending on Twitter, look, don't ignore it. Like you had to get it. Even if you're in the sports format, you know, when Chris Rock got slapped by Will Smith, we were talking about it on sports stations across the country. It was the, one of the biggest stories. So yeah, it's just it's one of the big things I always just tell people. If it's if it's if it's big to you, if your if your aunt and uncle are talking about it, you should be talking about it too. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of the same thing with, with with sports, but it's different for where you are. If you're doing a national show, or if you're doing a local show, um, you know, I always tell people if you're doing a local show, keep it local. You know, if you're, if you're doing a um, like if I lived in I, I don't know, give me a city. If I was in Gainesville, Florida, uh, I get the Jaguar. Jacksonville's about an hour away, so or a little bit over an hour away. So I guess, you know, they probably talk some Jaguars there, but like they're mostly talking Florida Gators football, maybe a little basketball, but mostly Florida Gators football most, you know, year round, especially with the transfer portal and all that. If I put on Gainesville radio and I hear 15 minutes of them previewing to, you know, whatever the, the Seahawks Steelers game, dude, I can get that anywhere. I can get that. Like I can get, I can listen to ESPN national and get that. I, if you're local, be local, be local. Like you should never listen to a local radio station in a town and they're not talking about the local teams. Like you aspire to be a national host, then go chase that dream. Go be a national host. But if you want to be a local sports radio host, talk about your, your local teams, what people care about. So uh, my next question, uh, and actually, Chris, this is how I first came across you. And I'm, this is a podcast related question. Uh, I, I first uh, listened to you when you were doing the S.E. Izzle 
mm. podcast. <laughs> and then uh, when I saw you were doing locked on SEC, I got pretty excited. All right, I know this guy knows his SEC and everything else uh, around that. Uh, but just the podcasting world, you know, for for you, how has that opened things up, and, and how you see that, you know, with you know the future of, of this business? Because now anybody can get a microphone and plug into a computer and record. It's a very watered down market now because there are there are a crap ton of people out there doing them. Um, you know, I did that. Uh, it, it was I started that podcast years ago because I would just wanted. I, I was such a big SEC football fan. I was like, I need to be talking SEC football every week, and so we had a guest on every week, or whatever. And it was a stupid idea. It was it was a friend of mine uh, said it one day. I, I said something about the SEC, and he goes, "Oh, SE sizzle." And I was like, oh, I might use that. But then it was confusing as hell because you put in the title SEC dash Izzle. And so people would say SEC Izzle, not SE Sizzle was what it was supposed to be pronounced. But anyway, I think we had Peter Burns on it. Even he thought it was stupid. But um, the, uh, you know, yeah, it was just kind of a, th- a way to keep talking SEC football. But it, again, it was time consuming and all that. It was like, if we, you know, if we don't have a sponsor on here, then it's just, we're just doing it to do it. And it's, you know, fine, but but where's the incentive if you're not getting paid for it? And so, uh, for for kind of a couple of years after that, or maybe it was a year after that, I'd, I'd been bugging out a buddy who worked for the Locked On Network, and uh, you know, saw how big that thing was getting, and you know, there, there was a guy. I think I think our my buddy Matt was doing the the Locked On LSU podcast, and I was like, you know, I like LSU, but I I also love big picture SEC, and I, and so. They had a, a locked on SEC podcast, and there were these guys doing it. I remember listening to it, and I was like, "No offense to them, but I was like, I think I could do a better job." And again, I'm not saying that to disparage those guys. I actually like those guys; they're doing their own thing now. But um, I was just listening to it. And I was like, I think I can do a better job. And then I, a couple weeks had passed by, and I remember going back and, li- and looking for it. I was like, "Let me see how these guys are doing." And notice they hadn't posted a podcast in a couple weeks or a couple months. And so I went to my guy with, with lockdown. I was like, dude, you got to get me on to this. And so it took a while. There was a lot of going back and forth and jumping through hoops and all this, but they eventually got me on. And uh, I, I've, I've loved doing it. You know, even back then, when I first started, I think lockdown was only doing a couple of days a week. And then, uh, you know, not too long after that, they branched, they expanded out and they were like, okay, it's five days a week. We're a daily podcast uh, company. And then eventually, a, a year, year and a half later they expanded into video too and so ever you know for the last few years we do video and and podcasts with it and it's opened up a lot more revenue opportunities and all that but i just say like to get on with a company like locked on and there's a lot of other companies doing the same thing believe um you know believe podcast network they're doing kind of the same thing and and it's it's just a great and, and locked on's got covered from all angles i mean they've got every professional uh, nfl team nba team mlb team uh, college, you know, we've got almost every college football team covered in the country. And then we've got the conference shows where I do the SEC. We've got Locked On Pac-12, Locked On Big 12 and all this. And the great part about the, the, the structure of the company and the great job that David Locke did is, you know, they, they've sold the crap out of it. I mean, every show's got sponsors and live reads and endorsements and all that. And then on top of it, you know, they were so, so successful that the TV company Tegna bought them. And so have been able to integrate a lot of our podcasts on the local TV, um, you know, station websites in those different markets and all this like locked on sec i think we're on the website in houston on the website in atlanta i mean across the whole south um it's it, it's it's there's a there's a heavier standard there right because like, we have a format of the show we have to follow there's live endorsements all this that we have to hit on 
but it's worth it because we make money and it's and it's and i've seen that money grow so much over the years and it's nice to have this kind of a side gig for what i do with the radio um i wish everybody was held to that standard right like i wish you know to be in the podcast format that for a lot of people there are no requirements right like if i don't have a sponsor and i'm making no money on this i can do put whatever bull crap i want out there and then post it and then iTunes is going to put it up there and it's available for download. That's just what's kind of frustrating because you're in the same realm with some other people or you're competing with some other people that maybe aren't putting in the work as, as hard as you, or maybe don't have the same financial backing. I mean, you, you know, some that don't have sponsors, like, again, like I just, I, to me, I wouldn't be doing this as long as I have, if you're not making a little something off it. And I'm not saying you'll make a, a huge, uh, ginormous salary over doing a podcast now some people have i mean pat mcafee is the the one that well you know what was it got a million dollar deal from DraftKings, and then parlayed that eventually espn comes in they pay him a ton to come over and bring his show over to their network but um anyway just say all that to say like it's very muddy out there there are a lot of people and and look you know listen to a podcast you know within five minutes if this is going to be entertaining or not so or, or at least informative and, uh, you know, I think that's just kind of the tough part for the consumer out there right now is, you know, you download a podcast. I like SEC football, search SEC football. You know, you hit play. If, if that person doesn't win you over in the first couple of minutes, you're going on to the next one. And so um, you got to be able to hook people. You got to be able to, again, entertain them, inform them. And, uh, you know, if they don't like what you're doing, they're going to move on to something else. Yeah, Absolutely. Done it myself. I listen to a lot of podcasts. You got to catch me in the first few minutes. Uh, last question, and I appreciate uh, all the time we've gone over 40 minutes on this thing. Uh, advice for anybody uh, on this career path wanting to get in into sports broadcasting, sports media. And I talked about a little bit about it earlier, but any other, uh, any more advice you could give out? Yeah, the, the first one I would say is network, network, network. I, I didn't do enough of it when I was in school. Um, and basically you're kind of shy you're kind of afraid of some of the you know like you're in the if if you're a student student media student whatever and you're covering a game go up and introduce yourself to everybody in the press box get to know every one of them uh the guy the tv guys the radio guys the writers some will be jerks some will be very nice but getting those contacts and getting to know those people and, and putting a face with a name helps so much down the road where you know, if they know what you do and what your interests are and, and a job opens up down the road, it helps to know those people, you know, that there have been times where you'll look back and go, God, I wish I should have talked to that guy years ago. He, he's now the hiring manager here or he's, you know, he's the whatever sports director here. And so network as much as you can. And then not just in your group, like if you're, uh, you know, I don't know, a Florida student, you're covering a game in South Carolina, meet everybody, and, you know. Williams Bryce Stadium's press box. Introduce yourself. Get to know people everywhere. So networking is always the the biggest thing I tell anybody. And then even if you're not a student, like if you want to get into broadcasting and you're not, you, you don't have the grades to get into a broadcast school, or you're you're not going to college, but you want to get into it, there are other ways. Again, like get to know one of the guys who does local radio or, or TV. Um, I can't tell you how many guys when I was trying to get into, t- you know, thinking about doing TV local TV guys that offered, Hey, do you want to come sit in on a, bro- on, you know, Friday nights, 1030, you know, newscast, do you want to come sit in and shadow me and watch a lot of people are very willing to do that. If you show the passion and the hunger for it. So network, you know, go shadow, go, go learn from somebody, you know, 
look, we've had kids, I've had college kids before say, hey, can I just come in and sit on a, on a radio show? Absolutely. You know, as long as you're not psycho, well, may need a background check, but, you know, <laughs> it, there's nothing wrong with, with bringing them in. And then a lot of times a kid will see that and go, you know, I didn't realize how much work this is. I, this, this isn't for me. I don't want to do that. You know, so th there's always that. And then, um, yeah, just, just, uh, just hard put in the work, man. I just, there's so many kids that, that I talked to today that I want to be a radio host or I want to be, a, I want to do a podcast. Uh, for anybody who wants to be a radio host, I always tell them, do, do a podcast, start with a podcast and do it right. Prepare. Don't just, you know, oh, okay. I got my, uh, I got my Yeti microphone. Okay. Now I'm ready Hit record. No prep. Put, put like, what's, what's the, what's the format of the show? What are you starting with? Where are you going? What all are we hitting on? What are the top? I mean, you gotta, you gotta prepare. And so, uh, uh, and the other thing is be consistent with it. Like, I can't tell you how many kids we've given an opportunity to be like, Hey, let's start a podcast. They do one episode and then that's it. Or they do two episodes and that's it. You have to stick with it. And I, and again, this is where the monetary thing comes into play. You're not going to make money right away. If you want to be a podcaster, you, you got, that takes time, but um, you know, and then that's a whole nother conversation of, you know, are you going to go sell it on your own? Well, then you got to have some sales skills and you got to be able to pitch. Why, why do I want to be attached to this and all that kind of stuff? And what's the monetary investment? Um, that'll, that all comes down the road, but yeah, just like, again, if you're, if you're a young college kid and you want to do a podcast, you want to be a radio host, start with a podcast, listen to other people, you know, take notes and, uh, and, and prep. And, and again, you can tell all the time when somebody is doing a, a broadcast or a podcast and they have not prepped for it. It's, it shows 10 times through. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, Chris, I appreciate it. Uh, I didn't know if we thought this would go uh, close to 50 minutes uh, when, yeah. I, when I asked you to do this, but a lot of great stuff here. I really appreciate it. Uh, and for the podcast listeners, uh, where can they find you if they want to check you out? Yeah, just uh, on Twitter at Chris Gordy, and then the uh, the podcast is is locked on SEC. Oh, one other thing I'll add too: don't be. It's okay to do things for free. I know that's like, and you can't say that nowadays. Like a lot of people, are like know your value, know your worth. Yeah, sometimes like you know you, you got to take an unpaid internship or or even a paid internship that pays nothing and it pays very little. But like, don't be afraid to do that. It's it's hard like this. What are we in Gen Z? I don't know. Whatever the generation is right now, a lot of these kids are coming out of school because they're, they're being told this. They're like, no, you're worth, you have no worth. You just graduated college. You have not worked a job yet. Like you, you have to start from the bottom up, be prepared to work from the bottom up. And if you work your ass off every day and you put in the, the, the work, it will be noticed and people will may not happen them overnight. It may take a year. It may take two years, but you keep working hard and showing those are the people that get promotions. Those are the people that move up. But, uh, man, you go to a job and three months on the job, you're like, Hey man, I really need a raise. Like, dude, that's, that's just not how this is going to work. Like you got to show the, the effort. So if anything, if we could send that message out there to people, just work hard. And, uh, again, money will come if you, if you bust your ass. So we'll see. Absolutely. Absolutely. Work hard, everybody. That's the, the yeah. message behind this, uh, 50 minute podcast here with Chris Gordy. But anyways, Chris, I, I appreciate the time. Yeah. Anytime, man. Appreciate it. All right. Once again, thanks to Chris Gordy. That was, that was great. Uh, I enjoyed doing that interview back in December. That was for an assignment at school. And I've got one more, uh, coming your way on Monday. 
uh, Doug Amos. Uh, of course, you listen to him up there in the Montgomery area. He's host of the Max Roundtable. I had a 20-minute conversation with him last month in, in January, so you'll hear that on Monday. Uh, like I said, next week, kind of get back into the normal the normal routine of things uh, with the show, So, uh, and they won't be an hour like this one. Uh, so uh, get ready for that next week. But uh, remember, guys, you can follow me on social media at P. Jordan SEC. Podcasts available over at wiregrassdaynews.com, wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please follow, rate, and review. Leave a review. I will read it on a future edition of the show. And if you leave just four stars, you're just a straight-up hater. Uh, you can email me at sportstalkfieldjordan at gmail.com and check out all my written work over at Last Word on college football. And also, check out the show over on my YouTube channel, the Philip Jordan Sports YouTube channel. Hit subscribe button, hit the bell for all the notifications, and please leave a comment on a video, and I'll read those as well. And you'll be able to check out the video over on Wiregrass Daily News Facebook page. So go and check that out as well all right i hope everybody enjoyed that as i said uh, we'll be back to the normal uh way of things here on the podcast maybe some changes are coming brand name we'll see in the coming weeks i got some ideas some stuff i may want to uh, do with the show going forward but we'll, we'll see how that goes but anyways i appreciate you guys if y'all made it all the way through thank you again thanks to chris gordy for that tremendous interview and I will uh, talk to you guys on Monday. Thanks for listening to The Philip Jordan Show. Subscribe to the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can watch the show over at the Philip Jordan Media YouTube channel. Got a question or topic idea? Email the show at sportstalkphilipjordan at gmail.com. Join us next time for more great football talk.